I still remember back in the day when we started the business, fitness lying down, and I had to get those things set up. I had to, I had to get the internet set up. I had to get the phone company, you know, just all this stuff. And I just remember, you know, on the phone with whoever, well, what's the name of your business, sir? Fitness lying down. And there's always this like pause. What do you do there? Lie down? <laughs> you know, and if that's one of the, I guess I hear clients talking about this when they're talking to their friends, how deceiving the name is, that it's almost anything but fitness lying down. intro line three two one hello everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of the fitness line down podcast where i am your host wait a minute stop the music just stop the music. okay so you know who i am and let's just talk about this for one second as i'm saying the name of this gym that i own and the podcast that it's named after is it not just like amusing how long we've been able to maintain this unique slap happy name, the like fitness lying down. How, I don't know, I, 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 I'm searching the world for a gym that has a unique name like that. I think so many other gyms, you know, they're all fitness this, fitness this, strong as you can be, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, for anybody out there that doesn't know, I mean, this name was created just out of being kind of snarky and sarcastic uh, because what was it nine years ago when i got fired you know the uh the head honcho that uh laid the axe on me you know was not happy with how i was directing the uh the corporate wellness program especially the strength train the strength training fitness you know all this and it was what is kind of ironic about all of that is they were paying for me to improve my knowledge. They were paying for me to go so I can have continued education and learn more about fitness so that I could bring it back. And it's, the silly part about all of this, it is quite silly, is how this company was not a fitness company. You know, I was the only person that was employed there that had anything to do with fitness. The only person that had a degree, let alone a certification. And so it is kind of funny, ironic, and maybe a little sad that it got to the point where I was learning more about the human movements and natural movement patterns. And it got me so curious. And, you know, I won't, I won't make anybody do something I haven't already mastered. And I was like getting into it because it was a whole new fresh start for me when, be, when it got into fitness because I was, I was getting burnt out. Maybe most of you know this story, but I think it's just as I'm <laughs> pronouncing the name of this, uh, this podcast, there is just something about the fact of like, you're paying me to get better. I am getting better and I'm applying that better, but then I lose my job because of it. So irony, yes, and maybe... If I was still struggling right now with employment, if I didn't own a successful gym for as long as I have, I could be a little bit more salty about this. But I, you know, and at any moment, I always say this at any moment, because I don't ever want to take this, this gym for granted. I don't want to take our clients for granted. You know, that's the one thing I learned in 2020 was hold on as best as you can 
to those, right? And be, be okay for those that have to let go too. You know, so try to hold on. And we, throughout the, throughout the course of 2020, we had such a, and we still have, an amazing core group of clients that have been with us for a long time. And I'm not saying that we just rode the backs of them through everything. You know, we, we provided a service still. And we provided the best service that we could with what we had. So it might not be four walls of a gym that you got to come in, but we did everything we could and credit once again to the DVRT system and using minimal equipment that we were able to be successful and that we were able to grow during 2020. So, I mean, I shouldn't say grow because we did lose. (laughs) We lost. Um, But we were able to start growing like a whole new service with our virtual programming, our virtual training, and that just kept it going. So what I love about Fitness Line Down with the name in itself is I still remember back in the day when we started the business, Fitness Line Down, and I had to get those things set up. I had to, I had to get the internet set up. I had to get uh, the phone company, you know, just all this stuff. And I just remember, you know, on the phone with whoever, whatever is the service account manager or anything. And, well, what's the name of your business, sir? Fitness lying down. And there's always this like pause. Like, okay, seriously, what's the name of your business? And then you get this chuckle when they realize, I'm not saying anything in return. Like, I'm just waiting for their next move. And like, is it really called fitness lying down? Yes. What do you do there? lie down (laughs) you know and if that's one of the i guess i hear clients talking about this when they're talking to their friends about the gym they go to how deceiving the name is that it's almost anything but fitness lying down and once again i mean it came from a very sarcastic snarky me you know in 2014 after getting fired well in prior to that i I was writing a blog because the employees at this, uh, at this corporation that were coming into the wellness center were experiencing what I was serving now after I was really feeling proficient in it. I was able to coach it adequately. I started applying this to the people that were coming in and they were receiving the benefits as well. And their bodies weren't broken because we're trying to destroy them through exercise. It was like they, they left feeling the effects because it was physical activity. They're still getting their training session in. However, they, they felt refreshed at the same time. And there was like a neural thing I would always hear about, like, wow, my brain feels more alert after doing these movements. And, you know, once again, the head honcho was not happy with this direction I was taking. And at one point I said I had to stop doing all this like lying down bleep. And so when I was writing this blog, and that's it. I, I went to WordPress. I, I bought, I actually invested in one of their websites and I got it in. And I just remember like, hey, choose the name of your blog site. And, you know, I'm just like, well, I don't know. Uh, hey, fitness lying down sounds funny, <laughs> you know, because it was a kind of a slight against the upper management. But yet at the same time, it's like I could kind of justify this because we are doing a lot of ground-based activities. I don't want to call it floor exercises because I think, especially recently talking to some clients, floor exercises has this already connotation of like, like a Pilates or a yoga. So ground-based movement, you know, that's, that's fitness lying down. But of course, not everything is on the ground. Like the ground is a very stable and safe place 
to learn. Uh, let's talk about babies. You know, where, does, where do babies begin? Babies don't begin on their feet. They begin on their backs. And they start exploring their environment. They start actually learning how to move in this secure position, this safe environment. So that's where we like to start people, no doubt. You know, especially depending on the amount of conditioning that they have or the amount of conditioning that they need. Yeah, put them on the floor. And that's one of the body positions to, the, to some degree. I can teach so much stuff on the floor. But in order to serve our clients in the best way possible, we've got to start getting them up on their feet. So in a series of programming here, you'll come in and you'll find yourself some exercises, you're standing on both feet, straight vanilla, boom. You'll find some exercises, you're down on one knee. Some exercises, your sprinter stand. Some exercises, you're what we call that prone position. So you're, you might be on all fours facing down, or you might be in that plank position. That's going to be prone. Or you might be in the supine position. So this is lying on your back. You could be in a side plank position. You know, there's, there's so many ways that we can do body position. But the best place to begin, especially for new people that are just not not ready for the system. Well, I should say they're not ready. They're ready for the system, but they're ready for square one. Square two is just not happening yet because they're not at that level. So if we can get them feeling successful, because I tell you what, that has got to be the primary focus, especially in gyms. You know, I'm trying to think of other corporations, but you go in to buy a car, okay? You're already going to have this intrepidation because car salesmen, saleswomen, salespeople. <laughs> it's, you're just kind of waiting for that, that sales pitch. And it's like, oh, if I don't want to do this, I, you know, I don't want to fight this person. I don't want to have to like argue or barter about this. So you're just, you're kind of already walking in on edge. I'm sure that what they need to do is they need to, they need to make you feel comfortable, that you are free to make decisions and that those decisions are not going to go against you. Like they're not going to hold it against you if you aren't happy with a particular automobile. Well, in the gym, I think any place, like restaurants, I'm just starting to, like my brain's exploding off all these places where, you know, I worked in a restaurant and I would, I served tables. Like that's what I did. I was a, I was a waiter, a server. And boy, I, I just wanted to make my tables feel at ease and comfortable. I didn't want them to feel like I was going to try to upsell them on everything. I just wanted to joke around, make them feel comfortable. Maybe have a couple drinks, and then we could talk about upselling. Like, you possibly might want dessert tonight. But there's a way to sell that without selling. So when people walk into the gym, of course, especially their first time here at Fitness Lying Down, I want to make it, I want to make it comforting for them. I want them to feel, hey, I, this gym's actually okay. Like, they're joking around. It's not, it's not that what I have already in mind of a gym where it's like hardcore, people are grunting and yelling. Um, throwing weights around and this hardcore music. It's, people should feel really comfortable and at ease here. And this just comes from experience. I know working in some of these gyms, I know what would turn off a lot of clientele. And that's other clientele that's there for the show. You know, they got their nice clothes on. Usually a lot for the females, those clothes tend to be a little less in regards to material. And for a lot of the clients that are coming in that are in your 50s and 60s and 70s, this kind of turns them away. So I am happy that here at Fitness Lying Down, we do have a pretty modest dress. You know, people are just coming in, they're comfortable with what they're wearing. 
except you know the one thing that we like to see a lot of skin on are the feet <laughs> we like to see those toes exposed um but yeah just settling people in having them feel comfortable what a great way to start training because now that the weight is lifted off their shoulders they're like okay i can relax here still gonna get exercise physical activity but i'm actually gonna have fun doing this I'm going to enjoy it. And even those days, because I don't want to paint this, I don't want to paint this canvas as like all sunshine and flowers, because we know that there are those days where you don't want to come in and exercise. You struggle to get through the door. And I know that struggle because I, I too have this struggle. But this is one of those reasons why it's good to have a community that's waiting for you. I know on those days that I'm trying to talk myself out of a session, I've got some other coaches on the floor that are expecting me to be out there. And I need to be out there because they're probably thinking the same thing. Well, if Court doesn't train today, then I'm going to take the day off. So if, if whether it's group training or whether it's personal training here, because in that semi-private, it's not just a one-on-one with a coach. There's some other people here. And they might be expecting you to show up. So now you have that kind of like, okay, I better, I, I have to go. And then you show up, you do your session, and you know throughout all these podcast episodes how we've talked about our ability to change and make audibles at the line based on the client's demeanor, based on where their body is physically, and just based on, you know, again, their attitude. How are they feeling that day? Are they having a low day? Well, then shoot, let's, let's turn the intensity down a little bit. That's okay. It's, and not only is it okay, it's actually looked upon as a great thing here because we're keeping the consistency. Because if somebody comes in with a low mood, kind of a bad attitude, you know, something happened in their personal life. But yet we try to just like push them through their session. We try to keep that intensity high. It tends to be that, you know, maybe their brain's not into it so well that they could possibly get injured. Or it's, you know, like, man, that was just, I don't feel good after that session because I was just pushed farther than I wanted to be. So this is part of the art of coaching is to to know your clientele, to know the individuals that you're working with and exactly what motivates them what keeps them in the gym and what helps them so that they want to come back for more. You know, there, as I'm thinking about a lot of different topics and reminiscing, there was a point, I think it was like in 2017, 2018, maybe a little bit before, maybe a little bit after, I don't know, that there was kind of this trend in fitness called Farm Boy Strong. <laughs> and for anybody that has lived in rural areas, you might know what I'm talking about. And for those that might be a metropolitan lifestyle, I'm going to explain it to you a little bit because I grew up in a rural town and I did a lot of weight room things growing up. So kind of a lot of my strength, I would say, came from lifting weights. Now, whether that's all the way true or not, that's to be determined. However, yeah, I played football in high school and we had a lot of farm boys that played football too. And those farm boys never went to the weight room. And those farm boys would manhandle me. Like, and we're talking about people that were smaller than me. And there was just a strength to them that I, I could never really quite understand until I kind of got a glimpse of what they do on the farm. And what they do on the farm is everything. I mean, they're, they're throwing bales of hay. They're carrying heavy buckets. They're going up ladders. You know, they're climbing down things. They're probably moving cattle out of the way. Um, a lot of things that take a different kind of strength than just pushing a barbell up off of your chest or curling an easy curl bar up to your shoulders. Uh, So 
this kind of more encompassing strength. So when it came to like playing football or wrestling, these guys were great at wrestling. Um, and it comes to the females too. Like there's farm girls out there as well. I mean, families don't discriminate. You got kids, they're doing chores of some kind. So all this carrying, all this lifting, all this throwing things um, really impacts their body's strength because there's that thing I think we've mentioned before, the said principle, SAID, the specific adaptations to impose demands. So when I'm in the weight room and I'm in a very controlled environment and I've got very stable implements, i.e. the barbell, those adaptations happen, but they're not as well-rounded because the demands only are asking for one plane of motion. Don't worry about anything else. Like there's no other planes of motion you have to resist. There's no compromising of the body position that you have to worry about. You're in a very stable position. All you have to do is press go and lift that weight. (laughs) So there's not a lot of adaptation to the demands. However, farm chores, and I do, I mean, it's not like I was green on farm chores. I, I did, I've had family that have owned farms. I've had a um, shovel manure. And of course, there's another way that we say that up in the, uh, the Midwest here. Uh, but I'm not going to because this podcast is a clean podcast. But it's just that whole like, and they're not even thinking about the chains. They're not thinking about slings. You know what they're thinking about? I have to get these chores done before, before it gets dark. I have to get these chores done before I go to school. And, you know, very disciplined lifestyle because that's what the farm demands. And it's, it's amazing because these athletes would be, you know, they go to school all day. They do chores in the morning. They go to school. They go to practice. They go and practice a sport, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, what have you. And then they're back home. What are they doing when they get home? They've got more chores to do. On the weekends, what are they doing? They're doing chores. So it was always kind of this whole farm boy strong farm person strong, whatever you want to call it, was this concept that kind of was bringing its way into fitness. I still remember, and it is funny because uh, this was a two years ago or something. I was in Chicago at Perform Better, and somebody was wearing this gym shirt's name because, of course, when we go to these conferences, we're always trying to rep the uh, the facilities that we work at. So we're, you know, all the FLD attire I'm wearing all weekend, minus, of course, maybe an, a DVR t-shirt uh, once in a while. But yeah, the name of the gym was on there, and then it said Farm Boy Strong. Well, here's my problem with Farm Boy Strong, Farm Person Strong, whatever you want to call it, is have you ever seen a farmer in their older years look top shelf? <laughs> like they're at, the, they're, pinnacle, they're at the pinnacle of their health and fitness levels. Usually farmers tend to be broken down. And the reason, of course, is like I said, you might be in the middle of your chores, and there's a particular season where you got to get things done. You've only got so much daylight. You've only got so much time in this seasonal calendar to get this stuff done. That if you throw, if you throw out your back, the chores don't care. The season doesn't care. But your financial well-being cares. So you have to just grit through it. And you have to continue pushing in, pushing through all that. Which you know here in the gym, we don't want you to push through pain. But when your life, when your livelihood depends on it, you have to. And so could you imagine the years of just cranking on your back, shoulders? I mean, we got farm people that just have shoulder issues and knee issues. Um, You know, I think about some people that continually jump off tractors, you know, and when they jump off, it's kind of a a leap down. 
and they're not wearing great shoes. They're probably not landing on a level area and they're probably not landing with good men, mechanics. And so what happens? You know, the knee starts caving a little bit. Every time they, they land, they land on the same foot, that same knee caves in. And after a few years, they start talking about their knees are bothering them. But they, they got no time to take care of that because they got to they be farming. And, you know, we work with people that have worked on farms and there's that mentality that we really try to desperately get out of their head because it's all they want to do is muscle through the exercises and they are strong. I mean, there is something like I mentioned earlier, even somebody that might not be on a farm anymore, there is this mentality that when there is a job to do, a task to be done, you can almost just like see them wringing their fists a little bit. They're getting ready because it's like time to roll up the sleeves and get dirty. And they don't care how they get it done as long as they get it done. That the job is finished and it's complete before the season's over or the end of the day. And it could be any little task, anything around the yard. And so they just muscle through. And so that's the one thing we're really trying to help people, not just, not just farming people, uh, former farming people, but people that have this mentality anyway. You know, when we enter into the gyms, it's like just grip it and rip it. You know, go as hard, go as fast as you can. Just get it done in the amount of time that we're giving you. And so, yeah, you're not even being thoughtful about how you're moving the weight. You're just moving the weight, trying to get through the task, trying to check that off the box, trying to move on to your next part of your session or just to get through the session, just to survive that session. So at the end of the day, you can say, hey, had that session, did it, good. Now let me go ice my knees and maybe go get a massage on my shoulders because something happened. So I joke around here at Fitness Line Down and talk about in fitness, sometimes we need to take the T out of fitness and we need to finesse it. And that's what this is all about because I, I laugh. You know, I never took a physics course in my life. I took enough mathematical courses throughout high school. Um, just never had to do physics. Fine. That was all right. One less class to worry about. And I did, I think the closest thing I've ever taken to physics was biomechanics for one semester at UWL. Never really understood much. Fulcrum, lever arms, okay, that's kind of easy. But how, does that, how is that applicable on the training floor? Like how do you actually apply biomechanics to somebody's exercise program? And you know, again, I'm just so floored by everything DVRT. Because I've, I've realized now with the complexity of our body positions, and I shouldn't say complexity, but I mean, we can make it very complex. It can be very simple. But with the concepts of body position, holding position, there's certain things that your body has to do not to compensate, but to adapt to the imposed demands. One of the examples I give people is if we march. So I love marching, you know, both feet flat on the ground and you're doing an exercise where you lift the one leg. Now, I'm going to be careful. I don't want to say lift the one leg. Because here at Fitness Line Down, all those people that know us, they know that we push. So it's not about the leg moving. It's about the stable leg that's not moving. So a little bit of physics there. Or maybe I'm standing on one leg. So we have a lot of exercises we do where we stand on a single leg. And that could be a pushing exercise. That could be a pulling exercise. That could be a hinge exercise. That could be a lot of different exercises. And so the one thing, you know, talking about biomechanics and physics is you have a center of mass. So when both feet are flat on the ground, well, that center of mass just runs right through the middle of your body, down between your feet. Everything is very stable. But as soon as I'm ready to shift to one leg, so it's not leaning, because leaning for me 
is that even though you're shifting, the trunk leans. Like, so you end up not with a strong, stable pillar, but you kind of have the leaning tower of Pisa. So we want to make sure that we shift. We have to shift that center of mass over to the one side to adapt to the, depo to the imposed demands of standing on one leg, marching on one leg, stepping back, uh, stepping forward. So many different things that we have to do with our body so that we can have a very stable position, even though we're in an unstable body position. Having leverage. So in the hip hinge, a hip hinge has a lot of leverage to it, but a lot of people have been incorrectly coached and taught about the hip hinge. So when we deadlift, we get so many people that want to deadlift with like straight legs. Well, the one problem with that is that there's so much leverage in your hips. And by straightening out the legs, you actually take that leverage, you take that fulcrum, if you will, that lever arm, and now you put the stress on more of the hamstrings and the low back. And the hamstrings and the low back combined are not going to be adequately strong enough for a lot of these hip hinge exercises. And you're going to find out that maybe you're feeling some some undue pressure, some pain, some discomfort in the low back because of this incorrect leverage. So we have to allow the knee to bend. Now, when we bend the knee in a hip hinge, so, you know, I'm thinking about any kind of deadlifts, good mornings, power cleans, swings, anything like this, is that the more I bend my knee, the more my hips reach back. And then the beautiful thing is when you do this properly, all the IT band stuff, you know, people always talk about like, oh, my IT bands are tight and all this. It's because you're not moving efficiently. You're not moving and leveraging yourself against load. So when you're bending over to pick something up, if you're moving from your waist, which is a big no-no, the IT band doesn't, doesn't get stretched out because of that. The IT band attaches from the hip to the knee. So when I bend the knee, the hip goes back, that gets stretched out as well. So many things benefit from leverage, from being biomechanically correct if I can just throw that out there. Um, and with all that being said now, is you don't feel the low back. You can put yourself in various positions, picking things up off the ground, um, bending over to do different, you know, whatever. Your back's not gonna take the brunt of it. Your hips are, and those hips are strong. So you gotta act with that leverage. And that leverage works very well because of that solid anchor through your feet, which creates more stability. So even though, yes, I'm bending my knee when I do a hip hinge exercise, the shin, so this is what this is what is the differentiation between a hip hinge and a squat, is that in that hip hinge, when I bend the knee, my shin stays perpendicular. So my 10th graders stick in geometry right now, so I'm getting back into my vocabulary. So that shin is perpendicular. It's um, straight up and down uh, via in relation with the floor. When I squat, and I bend my knee. Well, this becomes more of a knee dominant exercise. And that shin angle, the shin and ankle angle decrease. So if you can think hip hinge, you want more of that 90 degree angle from your foot and your shin. So there's a nice 90 degree angle. But as I go squatting, that angle decreases. So even though my hips might reach back a little bit, my trunk stays more upright in a squat, whereas my trunk actually leans forward in a hip hinge. So when I'm thinking about farm boy strong, and I'm thinking about people just trying to muster through to get the chores done. They're not aware of their body and space so much. They're not, aware, they're not aware of the the meaning or the intent of the movement. Because all they're thinking about is the task of getting that movement done. They got to take the object at point A and they got to move it to point B. <laughs> so when they do something like a hip hinge, they'll probably just round their spine. 
pick something up and throw it over. When they pick up heavy buckets, they don't really get into that leveraged position. They just bend on over from the waist. They stand up with the buckets and away they go because it's just the easiest way for them to move. It might be even considered like a quicker way. And maybe when they're young farmers, they don't have to worry about that pain so much. But the more that you accumulate that poor movement quality, that you're not honoring the biomechanics and physics of how your body should move, well, after a while, there's finally a point where it becomes the last straw on the camel's back and there's pain. There is one client in particular that comes to mind. And younger guy, I don't know if he's ever been on a farm, but he's definitely done a lot of like hard manual labor. And he's that type of person that's just got to get the job done because there's only so many hours in the day that I can get this done. And that has caused issues in his shoulders and his back. And one day, you know, and it's it, for him, it was a really big struggle to get him to see how actually slowing down a little bit in the gym. And we're not being slow, just to like tempo-wise slow, so things can be more challenging. As I like to tell everybody when we're doing movements, and if it's like their first time, or if they're really struggling with the movement, we slow down as if like, I don't know how old they are anymore, but a three-year-old learning how to tie their shoe. You know how that goes. You're late to get to your next, wherever you gotta go, and your kid doesn't want your help and they're gonna tie their own shoe. <laughs> you see all the like the rabbit ears, whatever you wanna call it, and they're trying to put it all together, and all of a sudden like it's back to normal where two laces are just not even touching each other. And you're like, no, no, let me help you. No, no, I'm going to do it slow and steady. So, I mean, we're not maybe having to go that slow, but whenever you learn a new task, a new activity, whether it be sewing, crochet, I don't know, sport activities, whatever, you start the drills, you start practicing slowly so that you can learn that motor control. So you can learn how to, I mean, it's not like you're firing the muscles at the right time, right? So it's like motor control is about how your brain can fire the right muscles at the right time. So it's not something voluntarily you're doing where it's like, all right, I'm going to fire up my bicep bracci here. It's going to go through my brachioracialis, down into my forearm extensors, blah, 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 and my fingers and all this. No, but you are becoming more coordinated, with your movements because you're slowly doing it just like any anything i don't know why we separate fitness from all these other activities where we have to learn at a certain stage you know we we learn the alphabet and then we learn how to make sounds with those letters and then those sounds form words and those words make sentences and then all the rules of that and then all of a sudden you can start writing uh, short stories or whatnot now in fitness like you walk in you got a heartbeat okay you're gonna do a million burpees right now don't even know your life story, but that's what you're doing. So back to this point with this individual, it took us a little time because he had to go through a few pains. You know, there'd be times where like, oh, my back's a little sore. And I, as much as I'm trying to coach him on how to properly do a hip hinge, he just wants to rush through it. And we've been having great success now. Uh, because well, the one time he actually said, he's like, you know, I, I'm a really strong individual. And I said, yeah, yeah, you are. He's like, but I'm just like brute strength. Like I, I don't have that, you know, because we talked about like I don't, I'm not I'm not a very finesse strength kind of guy. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. And the thing is, is that you can have some of that brute strength, but you've got to really put it with the finesse. You got to be able to put it like, you know, we talk about Kalostenos, um, the, the mural on our wall here. We've had an episode dedicated to it. It's a beautiful strength. Beautiful strength can have brute, a brute strength aspect to it, 
but it has to move fluidly. It has to move efficiently. And that efficiency in movement is what gives you the strength. So that's why I could have somebody that was smaller than me manhandle me is because they were a little more efficient with their strength. They were more well-rounded with their strength. Now, there was a little brutality to that as well. I mean, it's, it's kind of a violent thing doing chores, how you have to like, you know, huff things over to one place, pour out all, everything in the bucket, bring it back, throw, in hay, throw out hay bales. It's not a fun activity. I've done that. You know, when you're in the hay mouse stacking hay bales, not a fun activity. Uh, son of a lumberjack, chopping all the firewood. I never minded about how like big the wood was. It was, could you hit the wood in the right spot? That was like the precision. And that's what strength has to be is being able to move at the right time with the right muscles firing. Now, again, it's not voluntarily that you fire the right muscles, you know, engage your core, squeeze your glutes. No, that's BS. What I want to do is I want to teach people through the DVRT system, through, through the system of progressions that you, okay, you've learned this movement pattern that's very stable. All right, you've shown me proficiency and efficiency. We're going to take it to the next level. And the next level is not a big jump. You know, if you think about old school fitness here, or more, I guess, traditional fitness, is that when I want to increase weight on a bar, I wouldn't go and make a 20-pound jump on a barbell, not even a 10-pound jump. You know, I would start with a five pound incremental jump. You know, the I'm just thinking old school barbells, the two and a half pound plates on each side. That's where I would go. So that's how our movement progresses to some degree. We don't go from standing on two feet and doing a deadlift to all of a sudden moving to a single leg deadlift. Yeah, that's a big jump in progression. That's like a 50 pound jump, if you will, on the barbell when you're moving in a hip hinge. So we want to make sure that we can bridge that gap. And I think single leg de- single leg hinges are a phenomenal, dare I say, functional exercise, because there's so many times where you have to reach for something, and maybe you just let that leg swing back. But then when you let the leg swing back, you're just letting the leg swing back, so you're just falling all over the board. And I always joke around with our golfers here in the gym that that single leg deadlift is it's going to look so much better when you get that hole in one that you go take the ball out of the hole. And you just hit that single leg deadlift and your friends are like, oh my goodness, did you see that single leg hinge that person did? That was amazing. Um, not that anybody would ever do that unless they're FLD trained. So moving in the, the realm of just not being brute strong. And that's why that's when you can start actually lifting more weight is when you become more efficient. So it's not because you're applying more muscle onto your body. Because there's a lot of people that have plenty of muscle that just have that gym strength. Like all they can do is lift a barbell up off the ground and put it back down. All they can do is push a barbell up off their chest. All they can do is put a bar on their back, squat down and come back up. And we just apply that as being functional. No, that is a sport. The functional part, because I've seen some of these people that do these amazing athletic things in a fitness athletic realm. So powerlifting, bodybuilding, CrossFit athlete, what have you. And they fail to do something as simple as a bird dog. You know, where you're down on the hands and knees and you extend out one arm as you extend the opposite leg. And to watch somebody do that and struggle, but can do these phenomenal feats of athleticism, it's mind-blowing. However, those phenomenal feats of athleticism usually come with a price because they don't have that efficiency, especially through the core, that there tends to be energy leaks. There tends to be pain in certain body parts, especially low backs, knees, and shoulders. And once they can seal that up, 
They can become more proficient. I know I've been using that word a lot, but they can have that core stability, that motor control that the right muscles turn on as well as turn off at the precise time. Because right there, that's what human movement is. Human movement is not 100% of your muscles turned on 100% of the time during an exercise. It's a lot of turning on and turning off all at the same time. You have muscles that go and you have muscles that don't go. And when we have injuries, especially low back pains, I've seen this before, um, that when you have a low back injury or any kind of pain, there's usually like a misfire through the glute to the foot on the ground. That something is not firing at the right time. And that, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not very good at automobiles, but I know that when I put my key in the ignition and I turn, I expect my car to turn on, to turn over, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but if I put my key in the ignition and I move the key and I hear that raw, 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 or it's not, it's not firing, there's something going on that needs to be cleaned up a little bit, maybe replaced. So here, when I do a movement and I see a lot of instability that's happening, that's telling me that we're not ready for that level yet. And that instability might be the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm picturing my mind like the hip hinge, that the knees are not bending enough, as we talked about earlier, that those shoulders are rounding, their knees are caving in. There's some other things that we have to do to improve the quality of that movement so it can be stronger, so it can have more of that finesse, more of that kalostenos, beautiful strength. And that's why it's like great when you see some of our videos out there of people that do these exercises, even the most, what appears to be visually very simple exercises, the dead bugs, the bird dogs, side planks. It almost looks too easy. It's like well, they're not even working hard watching this video. Like what's that exercise about? Because they're not even working. They don't even show that they're working very hard. But the person that's doing that and the person that's doing that with 100% intention is feeling everything. It reminds me of uh, when I went to UWL a couple weeks ago and I had one of the students doing a dead bug and I put the whole band around the, the knee and the foot. So if you've ever seen us do that, that's what we do to help kind of create that intention uh, through the lower body. And this individual, male individual, was holding on to only a 20-pound core bag. So not very heavy. And I talked him into how to do this with intention. And you would think this guy was like doing a 500-pound bench press the way his face was going, you know, I was really trying to pull that part, that bag. And you could just see how the lats were engaging um, as even as he lying on the ground and driving out that band, not going as fast as he can, but really pushing against the band again. Like you just watch his face like, dude, relax, <laughs> you know, try to try to relax that face because you look like you're about to like max out on your bench press. And of course he gets done and he's just like that, you know, he gets up because here's what happens when people do the dead bug like that, especially for the first time. They get up and you ask, like, how'd that feel? He's like, wow, that really feels good now, you know, because it, it created that core stability. That simple exercise like that created more, better motor control. And that motor control gives you more mobility so that you can go through more ranges of motion, a fuller range of motion when you do these exercises. Things that people don't really think about when they're doing chores and not just chores on the farm, because we, you know, who lives on a farm too much anymore? Not a lot of people are living on farms. But just around the house, yard chores, house chores, any kind of chores, any kind of activity, we're not thinking so much about that intention. We're just like, hey, got to get the lawn raked, I'm, you know, and then we end up with what? We've got sore backs. I tell you, anytime I, I rake my lawn, the one thing that gets really sore are my lats. <laughs> it's like the amount of raking I do. And that's why I have my kids do it now. It's so much easier and it's easier on my body to watch them do it. 
It reminds me of uh, somebody that said one time, a farm boy, whose dad would come out and just say, you know, I'm looking for people with weak minds and strong backs. <laughs> and so we want, we want to make sure that when you're doing something, you have a very strong mind. So we want to make sure that we're focused on the activity so that we have that intention. And that we also want those strong backs. So we need both and, not either or. We need both and. And again, talking about all the movements, we have to learn about that leverage position. How do we use physics in our favor? Physics in our favor. That's, you know, it's a PH and an F. It sounds like that could be a t-shirt someday. Um, but to, to apply that onto the gym floor while you're training, you know, how can you make something even more efficient? How could you make something, I don't want to say more easy, but easier to easier for someone to look at. Like, wow, that person doesn't even look like they're struggling. That, when you see somebody doing that, has got that has got the physics down. They understand. Whether they know it or not, they understand biomechanics. They understand how to adapt to those imposed demands. And right then and there, that is going to give so much success, not in the weight room, because I could care less about how much success you have lifting weights, slinging sand, whatever your weight room activity is. Because what you do in the weight room is only, is only matters on how it's transferred outside of the training floor. So movement strength, yes. Muscle strength, no. Because movement strength translates outside of your four walls of your gym. Muscle strength, pretty much just what can you do in the gym. Doesn't have a lot more access outside of the gym. It's pretty limited. So you wanna be, you wanna be movement strong. You don't wanna be farm boy strong. Movement strong. Fitness line down strong, let's call it that. <laughs> um, coin that up, but then, I don't know. That's kind of cheeky and cliche anymore. So, I, it's kind of uh, cool because this is going to be our 99th episode. So stay tuned next week. We got a special treat for our 100th episode. I can't believe that we're already going to be there. Um, great things coming in for the next 100 episodes. Already kind of lining up some people. Whether they know it or not, they're going to get some invites on coming in and talking. Talking about what they do. How Fitness Lying Down has made a better place for them. You know, all this good stuff. So, until the next time that we speak for the 100th episode, my friends, Godspeed.